Proverbs 27, verses 5 and 6 and 17. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. couple uh, PSAs before I jump into this talk about friendship. Um, Mike Bellamy, who we are uh, in the next couple weeks going to go through a process of affirming as an elder, we're going to have a meet and greet with him uh, back in the right-hand side of the donut room. Uh, so we'll be there right after church for about a half hour. So please make your way back there uh, to get to know Mike and Kim. Uh, also, please pray. Uh, for Jordan and John and Moses and Scott, uh, we are going to go away on a retreat from tonight until Wednesday uh, for time of prayer and planning for 2019 so we can kind of go through the goals that we've submitted to you all, uh, take those goals and just start mapping them out for the year, uh, just praying through those, praying through them privately, praying through our families and just, uh, just kind of mapping out. Uh, what 2019 looks like for us as a team. So please, please, please pray for us in that um, because we desperately need you to pray for us. And um, let's just pray now and jump right into this text. Father, we love you. We are amazed uh, by you. We say to you that your presence is our greatest delight. We thank you that you are here with us now, that you are amongst us, that you smile over us, that you are pleased with us in Jesus Christ. Lord, we confess to you all our sin, and we take hold of the promise in 1 John that if we ask your forgiveness, that you freely forgive us all our sin. We grab hold of that promise in faith and delight in it. And with everything we have, with all of our belief, with all of our faith, we say, Lord, all of our sins are forgiven. And so, Lord, we come confidently to you as children, smiling children, happy children, children that you say that you delight over. Um, so, Lord, we come as delighted over children now, um, ready to be taught. Uh, Lord, teach us. Direct us, rebuke us, train us in righteousness so that we may be a thoroughly equipped community. Lord, shape us. Um, fashion us, Lord, as a community that desires to be um, marked by a biblical community, a community that takes Jesus' teaching seriously, a community that takes wisdom seriously, um, a community that takes love seriously. Um, Holy Spirit, do the work that only you can do and come and um, open the eyes of our hearts, open the eyes of our minds, our soul, Lord, and bring transformation as we walk through this text. And Lord, I pray in some small way that we would walk out having a better understanding of what friendship really is uh, according to you, in Jesus' name, amen. Today, I, I wanted to finish... Um, our series on Proverbs. I know we, we pushed pause on Proverbs and we jumped into Jesus' teaching on the church. Uh, we didn't have a building for a while and 
Um, when we didn't have a building, I jumped into Jesus teaching on the church, and then we expanded that a little bit here. Uh, and so we pushed pause on our series on Proverbs, which literally had one message left. So I wanted to jump into the final message on Proverbs, and that uh, proverb was on friendship, which Buck just read. We entitled the series on Proverbs, Walking in the Path of Wisdom. And what we had read and studied in the past. Hold on, Siri's interrupting me. So <laughs> shut up, Siri. <laughs> but you're right. Um, Siri was right. There are two paths to wisdom, uh, Lady Folly and Lady Wisdom. I must have been tracking on Google. I guess that message was popular. Uh, lady Folly, Lady Wisdom, those are the two paths. And wisdom is a path less traveled. Lady Wisdom is a path less traveled. And as Christ followers, our path of discipleship is a path of slowly growing in wisdom. Let me repeat that. The path of wisdom is a path of slowly growing in wisdom. Slowly growing. Slowly growing. Now, what is wisdom? We define wisdom as knowing God's way to follow God's will. Wisdom is knowing God's way to follow God's will. The Apostle Paul defines wisdom as understanding what the will of the Lord is and walking in it. The Apostle Paul defines wisdom as understanding the Lord's will and walking in it. One of my favorite authors, Eugene Peterson, defines wisdom as this on earth as it is in heaven everyday living. This on earth as it is in heaven everyday living. Some of you have been on this path of this on earth as it is in heaven everyday living for many, many, many years. And I am grateful for that. You see, what God is doing in his people, in his church, his Jesus people, is creating a culture of wisdom one person at a time. The church is a collective of people who are this on earth that is, is in heaven type of everyday people. Let me remind you, Redeemer, you are members of an interpretive community. You have come together in membership and are called by God to be mutually responsible for the teaching of one another under the authority of the inspired word. We do not any longer come in as individuals sitting in a pew and walking out as individuals not responsible for each other at all. We collectively are called by God to teach and admonish and encourage and share our wisdom through our learning and our experience and our understanding of the word with one another. We are all called together to share our wisdom at whatever level we have with one another. We are a collective wisdom 
culture. Does that make sense? When someone, whether they're older or younger, come and become a part of Redeemer, they bring with them, at whatever level, their wisdom into this group. This is why it is so critical and important to be a diverse body of believers in age. In age. Multi-generational church is critical to the growing in wisdom in the church. Can I hear an amen for those over 50? Amen. amen. Can I hear an amen for those over 40? Amen. There is a reason why Paul says for the older women to invest in the younger women. There is a reason for that. There is a reason that Peter admonishes the young men to submit to the older men. There is a reason for that. There is a reason for that. Can't get into it. I'd like to, but I got 29 minutes and 56 seconds. I want to talk about Solomon. Solomon is our author today, and he is a king. What's fascinating about Solomon is he, he is a man who has everything, literally, at the time. He is a man who has a life that, frankly, most of you, most me, too, has a life that we all dream about. He had everything. And he's teaching on a subject about friendship. Friendship is mentioned about 165 times in the Bible. It is written about 13 times in Proverbs. 35 times the apostle addresses their churches as friends. 35 times. Just alone, in read Romans 16, and see how many times the Apostle Paul addresses both men and women as friends. It's a lot. It's a lot. Both men and women. So what I want to do is I want to spend the rest of my time and I want to kind of unpack for a bit what does the Bible say about friendship? We'll spend just a few minutes. What does the Bible say about friendship? And then I want to narrow and focus down into this proverb and I want to speak for a moment about friendship related to this proverb and how a friend speaks to another friend. So I want to get a huge kind of big picture, 50,000 foot, of what the Bible speaks about friendship. And then I want to narrow our focus just a little bit to 27, 5, 6, and 17 to see what, what, what a friend does, a wise friend does, and how we grow in wisdom because of friends. So, let's pull back a little bit. If we pull back and look at the topic of friendship from Genesis to Revelation, we can begin our observation on the topic of biblical friendship with an understanding of God himself. If you, if you take Genesis 1 and 2, we see that we have been created in the image of God, which means simply 
the vocation of God, the creative vocation of God, the identity of God, the imaging of God has been created in us. We have been given the same vocation, creational vocation that God has been given, has been given to us. How is God a friend? That ability has been given to us as well. So how is God, how is God as a friend? That's the question that I'm asking. How is God as a friend? Because that, that vocation, even though it has been distorted by sin, tarnished by sin, subverted by sin, subsumed in sin, still that image has been given to us. We have been created in the image of God. Do you see theologically where I'm going with this? God's friendship towards humanity is defined in one word, covenant. He made covenant with man. Covenant defines God's committed friendship with people. Covenant is just a big word for a promise and a decision and a commitment to make a people his friends. And that he will never, ever, 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 ever back out of that commitment and promise to be friends to those people ever, ever, ever. Do you remember me preaching about this a while back? I said ever about 37 times to make the point that he will never, ever, 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 remember that? Ever, 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 remember that? Ever, ever, ever go back on his promise and commitment to his people. And that's what covenant is. Job, in the midst of his deepest suffering, chapter 29 of Job, verse 4, he reminisces about the prime of his life. Job chapter 29, verse 4, he's reminiscing about the prime of his life. He doesn't reminisce about how much he could bench. He doesn't reminisce about how many steaks he could eat or three-point shots he could make. He says, oh, for the days when I was in my prime, when God's intimate friendship blessed my house. Isn't that beautiful? God was a friend to Job. God was a friend to Abraham. He covenanted with Abraham in Genesis chapter 15. God covenants. He literally contracts with people. He promises to never leave. And, and what I see in covenant is five aspects of friendship. There are five aspects of friendship. I'm not going to get into these in detail. I'm only going to get into one because I think the proverb that we're reading fills out this one. But I, I want to give you these five. You can mull over them. You can delete them. You can edit them. Um, do what you want with them. But I think there are, there are five aspects of friendship that I think that come from this covenant relationship. When God says, you will be my people and I will be your God, I think that's a rugged commitment. It's a rugged commitment. What do I mean by rugged? It takes a beating. It's rugged. 
The only thing I could really come up with is, did you see Cars? You know the movie Cars? Who's seen Cars? Okay, most of you. Remember Mater? That's rugged, all right? <laughs> that little truck can take a beating, right? It's rugged. Rugged commitment. It can take a beating. It can take a hit. It endures. Five aspects of friendship that I see in covenant. God is a covenant God. God is a covenant God. Therefore, friendship, friendship is a rugged commitment to another person. God is a covenant God. Friendship is a rugged commitment to another person. There is a stick to itness, a no matter whatness to friendship. God is a covenant God. He is a stick to itness type of God, right? There's a ruggedness to his commitment, a no matter whatness to his commitment. Proverbs 17, 17 says a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. There is a long-sufferingness, a long-termness in true friendship. God is, a, is present covenantally. God is present covenantally. He literally dwells with his people, right? We see this in the tabernacle. We see this in the temple. How did God dwell? How was he present with his people? In the Old Testament, it was a what? It was a what? Come on, Old Testament. A lot of you grew up in church. You saw the felt board. What was it? Cloud, cloud of glory, right? Who was it in the New Testament? Jesus. It's always Jesus, right? That's always the right answer. So, score. Jesus came into the temple, and what did he say? Knock this down, and in three days I will raise it up. It's the new temple. God is always present with his people. God is present. In his covenant, he is present. Friendship is a rugged commitment to be present. Friendship is an I am with you. I am with you physically. I am with you. I am with you. My arm is around you. In your deepest depression, my arm is around you. In your sin, I ain't leaving you. In your anger, I'm not going anywhere. Even if it's towards me, I ain't going anywhere. I'm present with you. God advocates. God advocates, he defends. He defends his people, and he advocates for his people, and we see that all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. He advocates and he defends his people. 
Friendship is a rugged commitment to advocate for the other person. You as a friend, defend. You got their back and they got your back. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? A friend says, I got your back. I got your back. I got your back. I am with you, and I got your back. A rugged commitment, a rugged commitment to advocacy. Let me tell you, side note, your friend experiences injustice, you experience injustice because you got their back. You got their back. Fourth, God directed his people toward flourishing. God had a direction for his people. They didn't flounder. He was taking them somewhere. He was taking them to a promised land, and he was teaching them wisdom. God has a rugged commitment to direct his people towards flourishing through wisdom. Does that make sense? Y'all are quiet, so I don't know if it's, you're tired or it's good teaching and you're listening or you're looking at your phone. I'm not sure. Although, have you seen the sign on the highway? Get your head out of your app. Oh my gosh, I'm using that at church a couple times. Because I know some of y'all are looking at like paint colors. I heard I, some of you got told on. So get your head out of your app. That is brilliant. Whoever came up with that. God directed his people toward flourishing through wisdom. And this is what we're going to get into in a minute with Proverbs. Is friendship is a rugged commitment to another's flourishing through giving wisdom and godly direction. God directed his people towards flourishing through wisdom and direction. Friendship is a rugged commitment to your flourishing, to my flourishing, through giving wisdom and godly direction. Fifth, God always has a goal in friendship. Always has a goal. It's beautiful. It's Christ. Do you understand that when the first word came out of his mouth, let, he knew what it would cost him. Do you understand that when he chose to be friends with you, He decided to create all of it. And he said, I want those people to be with me. And that word let came out of his mouth. 
Do you understand the goal he had in his mind and the cost that it took? Christ. The only thing he loved besides his own glory, the only thing, his beloved son. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves you. And that's the goal he has in friendship with you. Is he loves you enough that he wants to do everything he can to grow your faith, to sharpen your faith, to build your faith, to take things away from you that you love so much, that you worship so much, that are actually attacking your faith, eroding your faith, choking your faith. You think they're actually good things, you're clinging to them, they're actually evil things. He's trying to take them out of your hands and you're calling him evil because he's trying to take idols out of your hands and he's just trying slowly to take those evil things out of your hands and you're calling him evil while he's doing it and he's just trying to be good to you because he's a good friend and he's trying to build your faith and grow your faith but you're trying to run away from him because you think he's evil and he's trying to be a good friend because he knows that money and the things of this world and immoralities and those things are, are actually choking your faith. But he loves you enough to come and he's a good friend to you to tell you the hard things that you don't want to hear, but you busy yourself 70 hours a week trying to work yourself into an early grave because you just don't want to hear his voice. But he speaks louder and louder and sweeter and sweeter because he's a really, really good friend and savior and Lord. And he's drawing you and he's wooing you and he's speaking to you because he loves you because he died for you because he's a brother that is not ashamed of you and he's calling you and calling you and calling you and calling you and he will never ever 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 let you go ever I don't care what your pleasure is. I don't care what your idol is. Brothers and sisters, I've picked up men off of floors, strung out on eight ball and meth, thinking that the world is going to collapse on them, and they pursued wealth and relationships and ended up in a mental hospital for a month. You have no idea what I've seen men and women trying to chase things that they thought were good. Men ended up killing themselves. Jesus just never, ever, 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 ever gives up. Rugged commitment. Rugged commitment you to be like Christ. Well, that wasn't in the notes, all right? So I got to like pull back a little bit and um, regroup, get back to Solomon, all right? So God directs his people toward flourishing through wisdom. So I want to fill out four a little bit. 
because the book of Proverbs has been given to us to teach us wisdom, to teach us how to flourish, to teach us how to make wise decisions. And this is a part of God's friendship with us, to, to teach us how to flourish through wisdom. And Solomon has been given to us to teach us wisdom. And part of wisdom is our friends. Part of wisdom is learning from our friends. Human flourishing comes through wisdom, and wisdom comes through our friends. Flourishing is a goal for our life, right? We all want to flourish. We all define what flourishing is. Um, as your pastor, and as a pastor of this church, I want your good. I want you to flourish in your life. I want your marriage to flourish. I want your relationships to flourish. I want your vocation to flourish. I want your finances to flourish. I want all of your life to flourish. That is part of my joy. My great joy as a pastor is to do all that I can, all that I can to teach, to admonish, to encourage, to challenge, to pray for, to disciple, so that you may flourish. That is my call, to try to do all that I can to lead you towards calm waters, still waters, and green pathways, and that is what I love to do. That is my call. But there are some in my life, there are some in my life that if at some point you fire me and say, I don't want you to be my pastor, there are some in my life that that commitment to see certain people flourish does not change. It doesn't change. Now, I wish I could be friends with all of you, all right? I've actually tried, and I almost went crazy. I've tried to be friends with you all and about 110 people across the country. Um, I like mind maps, and I mind mapped all the people that I felt responsible for as a good, good friend. And it was insane at how omnicompetent I thought I was. <laughs> Fill in how I thought I was God. Um, you will drive yourself crazy trying to be a rugged, committed friend to over 280 people. Um, you can't do it. Um, but there are some that you can. This word friend is actually a really, really powerful word. It's a very powerful word, and I think we, we kind of throw it around a bit too much, and I think we kind of use the word friend like we use the word awesome. Everything is awesome, right? And then we realize that we overuse this word friends so much that we actually have to now put an adjective before the word, right? Really good friend? I mean a real friend. No, I know, this is my really good friend. Or we introduce somebody that's like, no, this is my real friend. I mean, I've known this friend since. Or we even introduce them as my best friend, but then we introduce someone else to the same person as my best friend? Have you ever been called out on that? Well, you just introduced three people as your best friend. I know, I know. 
I, I just, they're all my best friend. Well, you can only have one. No, I can't. I can have as many best friends as I want. I got five best friends. I worked through the list. Y'all, y'all feel me on that? Like, yes or no? Y'all, y'all have trouble with that? Y'all are looking at me like, I thought you were my best friend. <laughs> now I know for some, even the, the topic of friendship brings up a lot of emotion. Uh, you you, you want to run to the exit. You, you've been hurt. You've been hurt really bad by friends. Um, you've been hurt really bad. Let me ask you a question. I know this is going to take a little bit of humility. A little bit of humility. I'll raise my hand first. Who here has hurt a friend. I think everybody raised their hand. Who here has been hurt by that same friend? Doesn't it seem like it was a lot easier to make friends when you were like in elementary school? I met my first best friend in third grade, Randy Trivers. You know, I met Randy Trivers on the playground at recess on top of me, punching me in the face. That's how I met my best friend, Randy Trivers, punching me in the face. After recess, I found out he liked WWF and Michael Jackson, instant best friends. It's easy. Why is friendship in the church so hard, especially in the city? Tim Keller says, in a busy culture like ours, all our other loves will push themselves upon us, and friendship takes incredible, deliberate time. Some say friendship is so hard in churches like ours because we're so busy But then I start looking at the time of the first century church, and most people worked six days a week, 12 hours a day. So they were pretty busy. It could be that it's our expectations. It could be our dreams. It could be individualism. It could be materialism. It could be social media. I'm not really sure. But when I read the New Testament, I I think it's always been hard. Um, Friendships are hard. You feel vulnerable. You get hurt. You get mad. You withdraw. You get rejected. Even Paul felt that. I mean, you read his last letter, 2 Timothy. He says, at my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. (laughs) May it not be held against them. Does that sound familiar to you? How many of us can relate? Man, I just didn't feel cared for. Man, in my darkest time, nobody cared for me. I felt deserted. May it not be held against them. Here's here's the thing that I, I just want for a second for us to see from Solomon. He is the king. You get that? He's the king of Israel. He's a man who needs nothing. He's got all the wealth in the world. 
He lives in a palace. He is the man, right? He is the king, and he still sees the need for friends in this text and other texts. If there was ever someone who felt as though he didn't need friends or it was lonely at the top or was distrustful of everybody, it would be the king that had everything. Does that make sense, logically? And he's telling us to have a certain type of friend. And that certain type of friend is one that speaks up, is one that speaks up. If you want to have a friend that's going to teach you wisdom, it's one that speaks up. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. The king tells you the wise friend that is going to teach you wisdom and make you more wise and direct you towards wisdom is the one who's going to rebuke you and wound you, not the one who's going to hide his love and kiss you. <laughs> Why am I laughing? Because that's so ridiculous. Doesn't that just sound ridiculous to you? Hey, I tell you what, I'm the king, and here's what I'm gonna tell you. You wanna learn wisdom? You wanna become sharp in wisdom? Here's the type of friend you need. Someone who's gonna womp you and wound you. That's what you need. Cool. Thanks, Solomon. See, y'all are quiet because you don't believe me and you don't believe Solomon. Experientially, right? All right, y'all are quiet. Either an amen or like what's going on in our minds. <laughs> thanks, thanks, Charlie. Proverbs actually says that a man of many companions comes to ruin. Comes to ruin. See, there's a brute fact in here that at some point, you're going to have to choose a friend. Maybe one, two. It is going to narrow at some point. And the point that Solomon is making is that the friends that you choose, you want them to have the ability to know you well enough and to be tight with you and to actually know you, that they're actually going to be able to actually speak up a little bit. 27, five through six, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Now remember, the goal, the goal is human flourishing. My goal in my friendship with other people. Now listen, I, I love, I love to laugh. I love to feast. I love to go on vacation with my friends. I love to watch movies. I love, I love to make memories. I love to do a lot of things. I love to go mountain biking. I like, I love having fun, all right? Exclamation point. I'm not a boring human being. Can I get an amen? Yeah. 
But I said to my wife, we're on the beach. I had the raddest outfit on I've ever had in my entire life because every year I go to the beach, I go to the sun stations, and I get the most awkward, awful bathing suit and like shirt combination so that I can walk the beach and embarrass my family. And so I had that thing on, had ponies all over my shirt. It was six sizes too small, which was awesome. Um, I'm having a conversation with Lisa. And I said two things. I'm 45 years old, and when you, you know, you kind of hit 40, 40s, and, and things started, you know, circles start getting smaller and smaller about what you want to do with your life. And I just said, listen, there are two things that I want to do with my life. Two things. I want to tell people about Jesus, and I want to give my life to others flourishing. That's it. I want people to flourish, especially those that are close to me. I want to do everything that I can to see them flourish in their life. That's the goal of my friendship. I don't know what the goal of your friendship is. I have no idea what it is, but define it and think about it. Define it and think about it. And if you're aiming at nothing, you're gonna hit it. You will hit it. It has to include fun. Boring friends are boring, all right? So it has to include fun. But it also has to include some other things. And this is where wisdom becomes so important. Because as you grow with friends, life happens, right? Life happens. And there are a lot of things in life that take a tremendous, tremendous amount of wisdom. A tremendous amount of wisdom. And here's the thing. It says in this text, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. This is the point, right? It's a knife, okay? I know I'm bringing a knife to church. I'll put it back right after this illustration, all right? <laughs> the idea is one thing sharpening a knife. I don't know how to sharpen a knife, but this is the illustration. Jonathan, you could probably come up and do this because you know how to do this, so don't mock me when I'm doing it wrong. But it's one thing sharpening the other, right? What is a knife intended to do? Cut. If the knife is sharp, what does it do better? If the knife is blunt and not sharp, it's, it's not good for anything, right? The illustration is, as you are with people who rebuke you and wound you, it sharpens you. It sharpens you, right? Sharpens you. So that you can do what? Walk in wisdom. Walk in wisdom. Sharpens the knife to walk in wisdom. You ever sat down? You ever sat down with a much older woman? I mean, she's like sage-like older woman. Like been through it older woman. And you like share the situation, just like, bah, right? And that lady in five minutes just cuts through it all and just gives you that sage-like wisdom. And you're like, how do you do that? Have you ever been there? Yes or no? Yes? Have you been there? Amen? No? Just, whoop, 
It's like Yoda. Like, dang, that's sharp. And you do, you walk away like, man, that woman is sharp. That woman is sharp. You know how sharpening happens? You know how sharpening happens? It ain't a blog and it ain't a book. Somehow I think that's how we think it happens. If I just read enough blogs and enough books, then it'll get sharp. Blogs and books, dull. It ain't sharp at all. It ain't going to cut nothing. All it does is give you a bunch of shoulds, and then you just should all over each other. Just should, should, should. And that ain't wisdom. It's just man law. See, if my friends are committed to my flourishing, and I'm committed to, man, I want to I be sharp. I want to grow in wisdom. And my friends are committed to me, and they're in my life, and they see me. Man, don't tell me they're not going to see when I'm an idiot, when I sin, when I'm dumb. That makes sense, right? Does it make sense in your life? See, this is where it really gets down to it, right? Like, do you want friends that are going to give you hidden love? You know what hidden love is? I don't know why. I don't know how you told... All right, so I'm a guy, so... um, I don't know how they, they, like, you communicated that you liked a girl or a boy in your elementary school. I mean, usually it's like the note, right? Yes, no, maybe. Y'all tracking with me? I don't know, maybe you had cell phones in elementary school. I didn't. Um, In our school, it was winking. Well, the problem is I can't wink. So if you can't wink, that's a problem. So... You know, what are you going to do if you like the girl and you're like doing this? So the girl I liked, you know, we, I was at Chesterbrook Elementary School and we were at Tyson's Corner at the mall. And, and so I'm like practicing in the dark, winking, because then, you know, it's like going to be a bright time in the movie. You know, the movie comes on and it's a bright time and I'm going to turn to her and I'm going to try to wink at her that I like her, Right. Well, the problem is, is I'm practicing in the dark, I winking, and then the light comes on, and I'm like doing this at her, right? And she's like, what are you doing? What's your problem? I'm winking in the dark. Like, I can't do it. I can't, I was I cannot wink. I can't tell you that I love you. You can't wink in the dark. Winking in the dark doesn't work, Right? If I'm trying to tell her that I love her in the dark, winking, I can't even wink, but I wink in the light to tell her that I like her. Does that make sense? I'm trying to communicate to her that I love you by winking, not in the dark, but in the light. Did I do it? 
I did it. If in fifth grade I'm trying to communicate to you that I love you, do I do it in the dark or do I do it in the light? I do it in the light. If I'm trying to communicate something, my love to you, and I never do it, ever, if I never, ever, ever tell you, it never comes to the light, does that mean I love you or not? I don't think it means I love you. The point is, if I never, ever, ever say anything to you, challenge you, or rebuke you, I don't love you. I don't love you at all. That's hidden love. Open rebuke is actually love. Open rebuke is actually love. You ever experienced that from a friend? Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Now, wound is an odd word because I don't think anybody likes to be, anybody ever like literally actually been wounded, stabbed? I've been stabbed. Anybody been stabbed? Raise your hand if you've been stabbed. <laughs> Two of us? Just, just, you, just you and me? Cool. <laughs> I guess that's not funny. Um, I, let me tell you, folks, wounding ain't, ain't fun, right? So, um, if my, like, my good friend, Mike Bellamy, if Mike Bellamy came up behind me and shanked me in the side, like pow, like right here, little three-inch blade, pop, right there in the side, my good friend wounded me, I'd be like, yo. Right? Yes or no? Well, you would be surprised, wouldn't you? If he... You're my friend. What are you shanking me in the side for? Like, the word is wound, y'all. Like, we gloss over the word. It says wound. I know it's getting late, you want lunch, but it says wound. At the very least, I'm going to say, ouch, right? Yes? I might hit him back. Yeah? You get shanked in the, in the liver, you're going to hit back. Y'all are looking at me like I'm dumb. Okay, I got in a lot of fights when I grew up, so even with friends. Here's my point. Here's my point. Okay, it's going to get real for a minute, okay? An enemy multiplies kisses. You know what that means? Flatters always tells you how great you are. Never says nothing wrong about you. No fighting, ever. It's always rainbows and kisses. Everything's good. Just stroking your ego all the time. That sounds good, doesn't it? Nah, it's awful, actually. That's just really, really bad. 
Now, I've been a pastor here eight years. Eight years, all right? And I'm just going to be, I'm going to give you some honest truth, all right? Just, you take it. I'm going to lean in a little bit as a pastor. Sometimes y'all don't know how to say ouch. People say some hard words. It's a little bit of a wound. And you're like, oh, okay, great. Thanks. But you bleeding out. It's just blood, blood, every, blood everywhere. Just bleeding out. I'm fine. Come over here. They're just bleeding out everywhere. Never go back. Never talk about the ouch. Just let it crust over. Crust over in bitterness. Crust over in anger. Just crusty. Now that wound is just all crusty. Right? You know what I'm talking about. When probably the healthy thing would have been Boop, little shank right there in the side. Ouch, woman! Or, ouch, man! What was that? We gotta work through that. We gotta work through that. Now, it may take a week. I may have to run over here and heal a bit, but we're in this together. I'm on your side. I'm for you. I'm for your flourishing. And you know what? Sometimes that wound was needed. And sometimes your wound and your pain and your hurt is because your ego's so swollen you can't fit through the door. And that wound hurt. And sometimes it needs to hurt a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Like, but man, let me tell you something. Like, we have got to learn how to speak to one another. Does that make sense? Like, when those wounds from a friend when those things hurt, but that, what's the first thing that happens, man, when we get wounded? It says, from a friend can be trusted. But that's the question, right? That's the question, right? Can they be trusted? Right? You get bipped, you get pow, right there, wounded. Can they be trusted? That's the question we all ask. You just bought me, you just wounded me. Can they be trusted? Church, is that the question you ask? Y'all are quiet, man. The question that they, we ask is, can they be trusted? And I love it doesn't, it, you can't see it in the way they translate um, the Hebrew. But the, the word trusted there is permanence, staying. See, it gets back to, are they really a friend? Right? Because if there's a stick to a permanence, a staying, if Bellamy came and used his words and stuck me, I know that brother's staying with me. That man can say anything he wants in my life. John the Collegio, he can say anything he wants in my life. Charlie, anything he wants, because there's a permanence, a stick to Does that make sense? Does that mean sometimes I'm like, man, can I trust this dude? Of course, I'm human. Are there going to be points where you're like, man, I can't trust them? That's a part of walking in wisdom and growing in maturity. Permanence. So then he flip around, though. It's like, are you permanent? Is there a stick to itness to you? 
Or do you bolt? Does that make sense? I'll in here. What I find so fascinating, what I find so fascinating is that the king who had everything is training his son how important it is. The man who had everything, how important it is to have true friends they're going to teach him wisdom and have the guts to rebuke him, the king, and not hold anything back and wound him and not flatter him and not stroke his ego because he needed to grow in wisdom and he needed to be sharpened. And I say, man, I need that. We need that. We as a church need that. Grow in wisdom. Friends that are dedicated to us, committed to us, to really speak things to us. So my question in ending is this, is just in your mind right now, man, like, there might be some, like, old crusty wounds that you may need to open up a little bit and go back and do some talking. That may need to be the application. For some, it may be, man, I've been heaping up kisses. I've been kissing like an enemy. I'm a Judas. There's a word I need to share with a friend. He drinks too much. He's been sleeping around. You know, you fill in the blank. And I've just been kissing him like a Judas, saying everything's great. When in, my, in the back of my mind, I've been watching him decline and I need to go and I need to... Does that make sense? The Spirit's speaking to you right now. And I just want to encourage you. Like, be a friend, man. Be a friend. Um, Lord Jesus, I, I, I do thank you for your word, and I just pray, God, that you would give us the grace to be able to apply this and to apply it in grace And to just be light to each other and to help one another. In Jesus' name, amen.